had great victory. We've heard stories of people that really failed and walked away from God and had really difficult circumstances. Um, We've heard about God's judgment. We've heard about God's mercy and his grace. And the whole time, we've been asking the same question. What does God's story have to do with our story? What does God's story have to do with your story? So as we recap the whole story tonight, um, I'd like you to keep asking yourself that question. What does this story have to me? How has this impacted me? How has this changed me? Um, That's what we want to ask at the end of what we've done tonight. So um, before we begin, would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for bringing us together tonight to this room. Thank you for each person who has come here tonight to be together with these friends, but also to meet with you. God, thank you for um, your presence here and the joy we feel already as we've heard already of your goodness and what you've done to change a life. God, we give you praise for that. And so, God, we ask tonight that once again through your story you'd encourage us, that you'd challenge us, challenge us, that you would spur us on and give us what we need to finish the task well this week. So, Lord, come and speak in these moments, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. What we're going to do first is finish the story in just a few minutes. Um, And to do that, we're going to need a Bible. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. These guys are going to come down. Um, While we're doing that, if anybody wants a Bible, you can raise your hand. Um, Please turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 36. If you have one of the CM Bibles, it's page 660. So 2 Chronicles comes after 1 and 2 Kings then 1st and 2nd Chronicles. So 2nd Chronicles 36, that's where we will begin. Six six zero, page 660. Anyone, are you good? Okay. Anyone else need a Bible? Raise your hand. Okay. All right, we're good. Okay, here's what we want to do. If you've turned to 2nd Chronicles chapter 36, If you remember last week, we heard the story of three men. Who were they? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were part of the Israelites who had been exiled to Babylon, and they were facing persecution. Everybody kind of remember this? They're they're in this foreign land facing persecution. We heard about their strength. What I want to do is look back on the story just a little bit, figure out how did the Israelites get exiled to Babylon? What happened? That's where we're going to begin so that we can finish their story tonight. So look with me at 2 Chronicles chapter 36, um, starting in verse 15. I'm just going to read the ending of that story. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people, and there was no remedy. He brought up against them the king of the Babylonians, who killed their young men with a sword in the sanctuary and spared neither young man nor young woman, old man or aged. God handed all of them over to Nebuchadnezzar. He carried to Babylon all the articles from the temple of God, both large and small, and the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king and his officials. They set fire to God's temple and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. 
They burned all the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. He carried into exile to Babylon the remnant who escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rests. All the time of its desolation it rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. This is the word of the Lord. This is how we find the Israelites sort of ending their time in the land. They're exiled because they've been warned to stay close to God, and they didn't. They worshipped other gods and built idols and ignored all the prophets that were calling them to stay true to God. And so they were exiled. And I want to show you, um, they were actually warned of this. If you can remember in the story, way back before the desert, way back at Mount Sinai, When God spoke to Moses and gave his word, God warned them that this could happen. So look on the screen with me, and I want to show you this. This this comes from Deuteronomy chapter 4. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. After you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, if you then become corrupt and make any kind of idol, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord, your God and provoking him to anger, I call heaven and earth as witness against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. And there should be one more slide. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. This is centuries before the exile to Babylon. God told them, stay close to me and all these amazing things will happen. If you serve other gods and build idols and cause your children to serve other gods, this is what's going to happen. So when the exile to Babylon happened, the people were heartbroken because it was horrible. Jerusalem was destroyed. Their temple was destroyed. Lots of them were killed, and they were exiled to this foreign land. And you guys, they wept. They were heartbroken. They realized that they had left God and all his promises and all his faithfulness behind. And they had walked away, and they had kind of caused this exile to happen by ignoring all of God's warnings and all of his love and grace and mercy. Really interestingly, um, God sent prophets, even during this time, right before the exile happened, he kept sending prophets to say, hey, I'm warning you again. Please turn back. Turn your hearts back to me. And you can stay in the land and we can have this relationship and it'll be awesome. And the people just kept ignoring the prophets. So the prophet Jeremiah actually predicted something. So I want to show you to that really quick. There's one slide. This is from Jeremiah 25. The whole country will become a desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. I'm just going to stop right there. Jeremiah said 70 years, and it's really fascinating that that's exactly what happened. So turn to the next page, Ezra chapter 1, because here's what, what happens next. Babylon, the kingdom that had conquered them, eventually gets conquered by another kingdom called Persia. While Babylon's philosophy was, we're going to conquer you and destroy everything you have and take you away to our land so we own you, Persia had a very different mentality. So listen to what happens when Persia and King Cyrus becomes in charge. Ezra chapter 1 verse 1. 
in the first year of, king, of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it in writing. Listen to how different this is than what had just happened with Babylon. This is what the king what Cyrus, king of Persia, says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any one of his people among you, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. And so they go back. Babylon destroys the temple, pulls them out of their land. Persia comes into power. And Cyrus says, hey, you know what? I think you should go back to your land and build your temple. In fact, I'll even pay for it. It's like really beautiful and amazing. I want to show you something that's been found that actually gives us some proof of this story. Um, And there's a picture I want to show you, if you can go to it. This is called the Cyrus Cylinder. Okay, it's named after Cyrus. It was found about 130 years ago in an archaeological dig. Um, in Babylon, where Babylon used to be in Iraq. It's tiny. It's only like 23 centimeters by like 10 centimeters. Okay, so it's really small, even though it looks big in the picture. Basically, it's written in Babylonian cuneiform. Cuneiform, never say that word well. Um, And it talks about King Cyrus. And it talks about him deciding to send all the people that he'd conquered back to their lands. Like, you guys, just go do your thing. Go back to your lands. Rebuild all your temples. His philosophy was, happy people, happy kingdom. So we found proof of this on the Cyrus Cylinder, which is kind of cool. It gives some real validity to the biblical story, which I think is kind of fun. So I just wanted to show that to you tonight. Um, So flip through Ezra with me. This is what happens. Chapter 3, well, you don't have to flip. I'll just tell you. But chapter 3, the people go back to the land. They rebuild their altar so they can start sacrificing to God once again. Chapter 3, they also start rebuilding the temple. Chapter 5, there's some opposition from some foreign people who were now living in the land while they were gone. Chapter 6, they complete the temple, and they dedicate it. Listen to this. This is really cool. In 516, they were exiled in 586. Seventy years later, just like Jeremiah said, the new temple was dedicated. That's kind of cool. His words from God totally coming true. So then flip over to the book of Nehemiah. It's the very next book. The return happened in a couple different stages. Ezra came at one time. Nehemiah came at another time. Nehemiah's job was to rebuild the wall that had been torn down around Jerusalem and make it secure again. So the temple stood again, and now they were going to rebuild the wall. And that's the story of the book of Nehemiah. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. I want to show you what happens when they're all done. It's really awesome. So they've come back to their land. Not all of them. Some of them stayed in Babylon. That's a whole other story. Some of them come back, they rebuild the temple, they rebuild the wall around the city. They're living securely again in the land. And this is what happens. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and follow along with me. Verse 1. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So remember the word given to Moses on Mount Sinai the Torah, they bring it out hundreds of years later after all this has happened. Um, Go down to, oh, I'm going to keep going. 
Verse 2, so on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it out loud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Now go down to verse 5. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Isn't that awesome? To honor it, all of these people, he opens the book and they all stand up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They're reading the word of the Lord and they're worshiping God for all that he had done for them. Included in the word of the Lord was their story. They were hearing their story. They were hearing what God had brought them through. They were feeling what it was like to have been in exile, far away from God, distraught and broken, and now they've come back to their home, and they have their temple, and they have their city, and they're united around the word again, and they bow down and worship. I mean, that's beautiful. Go to verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had begun weeping as they listened to the words of the law. They're weeping because they are grieving what has happened. They're listening to all the warnings that God gave them and all the beautiful things God promised, and they're remembering how far they fell away from him, how much they had failed, and the destruction that had caused and pulled them out of the land, and they're weeping. But what's so cool, you guys, is Ezra and Nehemiah, they stand up and they say, stop weeping. Stop grieving. This day is holy. This day is amazing. Look what God has done. He's brought us back. Let's rejoice. Stop crying. Let's praise God. And you know what they do next? This is really awesome, too. They, someone, they stand up, and in chapter 9, for about 30 verses, they just tell the story. God did this for us, and he provided this, and he brought us through, and he brought us through, and he did all of these things, and we kind of screwed up, and he still had grace, and they tell the story. Um, go to the next slide. They remember this promise also from Mount Sinai in Deuteronomy. Even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belongs to your fathers, and you will take possession of it. He will make, your, make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Now, hundreds of years later, this was coming true. And so they worshiped. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 12. This is the conclusion, and it's very cool, too. They've returned from exile. They've returned to God. They've rebuilt their temple. They've rebuilt Jerusalem and the wall. They've read the law. And this is what they do after all of that happens. Look at verse 27. 
chapter 12, verse 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they live and brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs and thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. So they just bring everybody together like, let's just worship God. Let's have a big, huge worship night because this is really cool. But go down to verse 47. Wait, let me, 43, sorry. Verse 43. And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, in your mind, can you just like close your eyes a minute? Picture you're far somewhere on a hill from Jerusalem and you hear these hundreds or thousands of people worshiping with all their might for all that God had done. It's so amazing. Tonight, we want to look back at the whole story, just like they did, as a way of celebrating and praising God for what he's done. As we retell the story in some fun ways, I want you guys to think about your story. Think about the ways that this story has changed you, impacted you. What has God spoken to you? What has God brought you through? What has God changed in you this semester? Some of you have heard the call to return from exile and come home to him. Some of you guys have made choices to take big risks and do exciting things because some of the things you've heard in God's story. Um, Some of you guys might hear the call still tonight to return back to God. Tonight, as we tell the story, think about yours. Um, And just maybe, when we sing at the end of the night, I'm wondering if your rejoicing will be heard from far away. Would you guys pray with me? God, we bless you for your word. We bless you for your story and its power and the ways that it changes us. And we ask that you would bring those things to mind so that we could celebrate with all of our hearts and all of our soul and all of our strength in this place here tonight. Come, Lord Jesus, once again. Amen. Tonight, this is going to be fun. We're going to walk you through the story. Um, to do that with some friends, we're going to come and set some things up. And um, it's going to be brief and cool. So hang in there. It's a little change of pace. But what we'd like to do is recap really quickly the whole story. But as we do that, we want to show you the amazing artwork that's been done by several of you this semester to portray the story. So we're going to have a little art show in here tonight, if that's okay. Um, we're going to recap some of the story and have some art on display on the screen and also walking down the aisle so you can see it, and you can kind of hear and see the entire story of the Old Testament displayed before you. I think that this will be fun. Are you guys ready to do this? Does that sound okay? All right. Last thing for you to know, we're going to do this in sections. You're going to hear a few recaps of the story and see some art. And then this is something I'm really excited about. We have three students, Noel, Zach, and Zoe, who are going to actually share with you their story and how this story has impacted them this semester. So keep asking yourself, how has this impacted me? Are you ready? Awesome.
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you could travel for 186,000 miles per second, for 100,000 years, you could cross the Milky Way galaxy. Now, it's been estimated that there are up to 200 billion galaxies in the known universe. In the beginning, God created out of nothing the heavens and the earth, and it was Tov. It was good. And God's glory is clearly displayed in his creation. Then God called Abram, asking him to leave everything, his land, his family, his future, and go to the land of Canaan. So Abram went, just as God had told him. And God made a blood path covenant with Abram, promising to make him into a great nation with descendants as numerous as the stars. All this happened when Abram was 75 years old and childless. Abram believed God, and it was credit to him as righteousness. God fulfilled his promise, and Abram became Abraham and had numerous descendants. They eventually became slaves in Egypt for 400 years before God delivered his people out of Egypt, complete with 10 crazy plagues inflicted on the Egyptians and, of course, the miraculous parting of the Red Sea that destroyed the Egyptian army. God heard the cries of his people. He delivered them from slavery in Egypt, and he sent Moses to lead them through the desert to the promised land in Canaan. And then we heard about the incredible way that Moses got to meet God on Mount Sinai. And God gave Moses and his people the incredible gift of his word. And on this night, we talked about how God offers the incredible gift of his word to us as well. And on that night, we danced and we sang and we danced and we sang. It was a memorable night here in the Cook to Wit. And we did that in response to the amazing ways that God has spoken to us through his word. How blessed is the man whose delight is in the word of the Lord. And on his word, he meditates day and night. This is the word of the Lord. All right, I'd like to invite my friend to come on up here and, and share a story with us. I don't know where she is. There she is. All right, come on up, Noel. Cool. Hi, guys. All right, my name is Noelle, and I'm graduating on Saturday, so it's kind of exciting. I did it in four years, too. All right, so Stacy sent out an email about a week ago asking some seniors if they'd want to share tonight, and I'm looking through all of the options for all the sermons, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to go to my Bible because I take notes in my Bible, so I'd probably find something there, and I come across Genesis 12, and I have notes everywhere, and in big, bold letters, it says, what? 
like underlining some of the scriptures. I'm like, okay, I should probably share on this one. So I'm going to go over just a few things that happened in my four years here and how God's faithfulness transformed my life and others through him using me. Um, So, I mean, we have to think about, first of all, what Abraham did and his obedience and how amazing that actually was. And to think about how much he traveled and how slow he traveled. Remember, he traveled at the speed of sheep, as fast as his sheep could go. 630 miles at 75, like that's insane. We were just talking about training for Israel, and I haven't worked out yet, confession. So I'm here thinking, you know what? If Abraham could do it at 75, I can do it at 22. I think I'll be okay. But we'll see about that. So I've listened to God, and I've been obedient, but it hasn't been the kind of obedience that Abraham has had, um, needless to say. But so freshman year, um, I think the first thing that I can easily say that God called me to was coming to Grand Valley. I had no idea why I was coming here or anything, but I just listened and I came. Um, but through that year, God asked me to give up some things and to sacrifice some friendships that I had that weren't healthy, but rather toxic in my life. And in that, he asked me to join in a community. And that meant the girls that I was living with, who are still my roommates today, who have still blessed me in ways that I can't even describe, that meant moving in with them. Financially, that was really risky. It's something that I didn't feel comfortable doing. He also asked me to join leadership at Campus Ministry, which was the best decision I made that year. Um, So I encourage all of you guys to do that as well. And then sophomore year, the biggest thing that I can remember was him giving me a dream to go to New Mexico. Now, I didn't even know that this trip existed that year, until the release for the spring break signups and that was four days after I had the dream so that was kind of crazy that he specifically showed me on a map you're going here listen to me will you go I was terrified at the time because I'm thinking all right Native Americans and all of those like feathers and everything scares me so I have no idea what I'm doing on an Apache reservation but I'm just gonna go with it Um, and he completely changed my life and transformed my life doing that and then during that time this joke within my friend group came about that, hey, you've never had like a real job, so maybe you should apply for one. So I like go on Grand Valley's website and I picked this thing called orientation leader. I'm like, all right, I'll apply for that as a joke. Well, uh, two months later, I got the job and I started doing that. And again, it transformed my life. And I'll come back to that junior year. Uh, he calls me to go back to Mescalero, but with a torn ACL. And that was really, really hard. And I wanted to give up so many times, but he just kept saying, keep going, keep going. I promise you, It's going to work. Just keep going. But I was hesitant because I'm human and I'm sinful and I have flaws. Um, But then I returned to that job second year, and I think this is the best example I can give. But in that job, it was really hard to express my faith. And I knew that I wanted to completely dedicate that job to him because he had given that to me. And I didn't even desire that job. It was just something he wanted me to do to encounter 4,000 freshmen every summer, you know, that I was doing that for two years. So... um, He definitely worked through me, and um, it was completely him, and I want to make sure that I give him all the credit because it was not me. It was all him. I just allowed him to use me in that, Um, and definitely he touched some people's lives through that, and some of them may or may not be in this room but have been, so that's huge just to see um, where they're at right now. And then fourth year this year has been crazy. He called me to go to Passion, he called me to go to Spring Break, and he called me to go to Israel, but not in the ways that I thought he would. He actually told me to let go of New Mexico as much as I wanted to go back, Um, and that was really hard saying no to that and accepting a different trip that ended up completely changing my life in different ways too. Um, But then Israel was the huge thing because I'm thinking, 
I feel like I'm selfish. Should I really do both of these things? Because am I just being greedy? But I just had a very strict answer from him. You need to do both of them, and you need to listen to me. And it's not going to really hurt you if you don't do it, but I promise you you're going to be happy in the end if you do. So I did it. Um, it wasn't easy. This whole journey was very uncomfortable, but I couldn't have grown if I hadn't been pushed into this uncomfortable place. It took a lot of patience, um, a lot of waiting on him. I wanted things immediately, like snap, snap, but life doesn't work that way, and we have to understand that. Um, it did take some obedience. Again, it was not easy at all. And I always had to remind myself that it was an invitation from the Lord. And I could choose to accept that invitation or I could just walk away from it and ignore it. Now, if I walked away from it, he would just invite me later on. He wouldn't wait for me. You have to remember God is going and he's not going to stop for anything or anyone. But we can choose to allow him to use us as a tool in his plan or we can just stand stagnant and complacent. So right now, I'm completely paid off for Israel in amazing ways. I went to spring break. I went to passion. All of these things happened. God has blessed me and blessed others through everything that's happened. And I have a job that came out of nowhere too. So all of this is just incredible. Um, so I just want to ask you guys, will you allow God to use you? Will you completely surrender yourself to him and be obedient to him and allow him to use you in his grand scheme. Remember, he's persistent, so he's going to keep poking at you. You just have to listen to him. And this makes me think about everyone on this earth. There's like, what, seven billion people that are alive right now. And I think about how many people he might be tapping on the shoulder. Hey, Sarah, hey, whoever, are you, are you listening to me right now? Are you listening? I'm asking you to do this. Will you do this for me? Like I called Abraham. Will you go and just listen? Because I promise you, I will change your life, completely transform you, and the people that you will impact through me. So I want you guys to hear these words from Genesis chapter 12. Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to land which I show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Abraham went. Will you go too? Thank you. Here we go, round two. Next, we heard about God's miraculous provision of water for the thirsty Israelites in the desert. We also heard about the disobedience of Moses when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it as God had instructed. The people drank and were satisfied, but Moses was told he would not be allowed to enter the land of Canaan because of his disobedience. He led the people through 40 years of wandering in the desert, but he died before they entered the land.
when the Israelites came into the land for the first time, conquering the city of Jericho was their first challenge. Joshua and the Israelites walked boldly around the fortified city, blowing trumpets and shouting, just as God had told them to. God's plan for them to conquer Jericho didn't make sense, humanly speaking, but his plan prevailed, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Then we heard the amazing story of Gideon and how God rescued the Israelites from the oppression of the Midianites. God helped Gideon defeat their giant army with just 300 men. Even though the people of Israel had turned away to serve other gods, God showed compassion to his people, rescuing them over and over and over again during the time of the judges. And then, during the time of the United Kingdom, the Israelites and the Philistines were lined up for war in the Elah Valley, and we witnessed the battle of David and Goliath, the incredible ways that God had prepared David for the task at hand, just a shepherd boy. He used the skills God had given him to defeat the giant, brought glory to God, and saved the Israelites from the hand of the Philistines. And now I'd like to invite Zach. Would you guys welcome him? He's going to share a bit of his story. Uh, two of the stories in that little series that really kind of stuck with me this semester were Joshua and Gideon. Uh, specifically, their battle plans, I guarantee, were not what God had in mind. You know, you go to war, you don't expect 300 people to be able to take down an entire army, but that's what God had in mind. Gideon obeyed. Gideon trusted God's plan, and they came out on top. Same with Joshua. You don't expect to walk around a city 13 times, scream at the top of your lungs, all of a sudden you win the war. That just doesn't happen, not, not humanly. Um, and it's incredible the way that these two men were able to find success by following God's plan and trusting his plan, even when they didn't really see the success in it. In my own life, I have had plenty of changes regarding these last four years especially. At the end of my freshman year, I left sunny Florida for wintry Michigan about nine months out of the year. And that was, that was a big change. I didn't know anybody here at first. Uh, at the end of my sophomore year, I changed my major. Felt like my career aspirations were changing every single day. Uh, I really didn't know exactly where I was going all the time, and sometimes it was scary, sometimes it was fun. There's a lot of ups and downs uh, as we develop our plan for life. But through trust and obedience in God, I've had some of the best friendships made here at Grand Valley. Um, I've got a job that I love with people that I love, and those are all because of the, those changes in my life. God changed plans with Gideon and Joshua. He's changed plans in my life, and I'm sure he's made changes in your lives, even you freshmen who have just started here. And I just want to encourage you all to see my praise for God, my thanks for God, um, and emulate it in your life. I'm thanking God because he's, he's changed plans, but he's also provided every single time he's made a change. And he'll do the same for you. So trust God, obey God, and see what he does for you. Thank you. three. <laughs> David was the first faithful king of Israel, and then his son Solomon was very wise 
and under his reign, Israel flourished like no other time in history. However, he allowed himself to wander, gained 700 wives and 300 concubines who turned his heart away from God and to worship other gods. So God decided to divide the kingdom, giving the northern kingdom the ten tribes to Jeroboam to rule. God promised great things to Jeroboam, but he turned the people away from God, worshiping God alone by creating two golden calves for the people to worship. This led the northern kingdom far from God. And Jeroboam's legacy of sin went down in history for generations. Eventually, the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered and exiled to Assyria as a result. Next, we hear the prophets, who were men of God sent to speak to his people when they wandered away from him. Time and time again, these prophets spoke of God's love for his people, calling them to repent and to return to him with their whole hearts. Jonah was a reluctant prophet who ran from God himself, but God still used him to reach the people of Nineveh. Over and over, the many prophets also warned about what would happen if the people didn't listen. Unfortunately, they didn't listen, and God brought destruction on them just as the prophets said that he would. And God finally allowed other nations to conquer his people in the southern kingdom now of Judah. And they were forced out of the land and into exile in Babylon. In Daniel, we heard of the incredible story of three brave men who stood their ground in the face of persecution. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down to the golden image. And King Nebuchadnezzar had them thrown into the fiery furnace for their disobedience. Their confident declaration that God would save them combined with their but-if-not attitude if it didn't happen, inspired us and inspires generations to follow God always, whatever may come. And then finally tonight we heard of the story of the return of the exiles. The temple had been destroyed, and after 70 years of exile, the people returned to the land and started to rebuild the temple. With long, hard labor ahead of them, the people remembered to put first things first, to worship God alone. And with courage and conviction, they rebuilt the altar and then the foundation of the house of God and the city. True worship was again a reality in the land. And despite all the ways that God's people had walked away from God, they rejoiced because God had brought them back and God was faithful to his promises to the end. I'd like to invite Zoe Chafin to come and share her story. Hi everyone. Um, so I'm Zoe and for those of you who know me know that when I say I'm not going on a spring break trip I always end up on one. And <laughs> recently I went to Puerto Rico and, but I didn't sign up for that trip until two weeks after initial signups. And after that came the struggle of explaining why I was going to my parents. My parents wanted me to save my money for after graduation. Um, it took me five years to graduate, so 
understandably so, they wanted me to save my money, and I was using my savings to pay for this trip, and it was really hard, and uh, I felt like I was walking through a fire, because I had car issues, and my parents had helped pay for some of those, and just many things, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to pay my bills in February. And my dad, every time he would call me during the three and a half months, he's just like, why are you going? This makes no sense. That You need to save your money. And when I finally got the courage to tell him, I can't deny God. I can't deny his plan for me. I can't, you know, deny the feelings I got the last three years I signed up for a trip. And after I proceeded to tell him all that, he said to me, kind of mocked my faith in a way, he's just like, better hope that feeling gives you the money to pay your bills, because I was like on the edge with money, I was working 30 plus hours a week, picking up shifts, and the week came that we were going to leave on that Friday, and my tax return went into my bank account like three days before we were leaving on this trip, so my bills were paid, and I went on this adventure of a lifetime in Puerto Rico, and I got back from this trip a completely changed person, and the kicker of the story is my parents wanted to know how God worked on that trip, how he changed me, how he changed people on my trip, and wanted to know everything about that trip. How great is that? Like, how great is our God that he took a situation where I just was fighting my parents and walking through a fire and just turned it around and... My parents just, they even still ask every once in a while, like, what happened there? Like, you're, something's different. And, yeah, so the God that's in the Old Testament that got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fire is still alive today. And that's my story. Thank you. Friends. This is our story. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, come on. Um, before we move on, here's what I want to do. If you are an artist who has created one of these amazing, beautiful pieces of, of art, could you stand up for us just right where you are? I know it's embarrassing. Please stand up. Can we thank them? Thank you deeply to each of you for this gift, because it's been wonderful, and you've done amazing things with the gift that God has given you. All right, friends, here's what I want you to do. You have two minutes. Turn to one person next to you, next to you and talk about which, just tell someone, which one of these stories impacted your life and why. On your market set, go. See, it's
Oh, yeah? All right. So, guys, uh, as many of you may know, I am just in time. And I'm Robin Stage. <laughs> and uh, we want to do something special for you guys to send you guys out right. And so uh, we're going to need your help on this. But we're going to do a, a recap of the newscast in the form of a rap. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So we need your help. We need your help creating a beat. So, uh, so follow my lead here. We want to stomp, clap, stomp, clap, stomp, clap, stomp, clap. Keep it going. The first week at the well, we heard what God created. Adam Nevinson called them frustrated. The world was falling like my mom on a skateboard. The word, they made some clothes so they didn't look like horrible people. They were ashamed in front of their maker, but this gave the need for a loving savior. In week two, God called up his guy Abram, asking him to up, up and go to Canaan. He listened to God and made a covenant. Blessed with a great nation, how could they forget? And then we heard all about the plagues. Oils, locust blood, dang, that's pretty cray. But God himself delivered his people who were slaves, led them in the desert. They walked for many days. Yo, week four was wild. I guess you had to see. We danced the night away, because God's an OG. We <laughs> he led Moses to Mount Sinai, but God was always working. For that, we got a smile. God provided water when they were complaining. Moses disobeyed and got really angry. For the next 40 years, they were forced to wander. That was a long hot walk for them to sit and ponder. Then we learned about Jericho. Josh and the Izzies, the trumpets they would blow. The walls came down because God was coming through. He blessed them then. Today he blesses you. My homeboy Gideon defeated an army with only 300 men. Dang, they must be charming. When they served other gods, God still forgave. That kind of forgiveness reminds me of my boy Dave. <laughs> Keep it going. Keep it going. In week eight came David and Goliath. David was a boy but had courage like a lion. He, he slung the stone. Keep going, keep going, keep going. The Israelites were happy, the Philistines frowned. David's son Solomon was the next king. Israel shined like a diamond ring. He was so wise, had a bunch of concubines. Jeroboam was the worst, left a legacy of sin. In week 10, God's people wouldn't listen told them what was right, but they didn't pay attention. As a result, destruction soon came. They might have all been mad, but they were the ones to blame. Three men, brave men stood up for God. They would not bow down to that golden cow. They went in the furnace where the fire erupted. They prayed so hard, an angel interrupted. God spared them from the lions in the den, and then began a legacy for those men. The temple was destroyed, Jeremiah said. But the people would soon return instead. They're back in Jerusalem, ready to restart. They're finally doing right with God up in their heart. With, with Robin and Jay time, time, the well's, well's been really fun. Finish final strong. Enjoy, enjoy the, the summer, summer sun. sun. Oh! hey <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for a great semester.
It has been an awesome night hearing God's story and God's story of faithfulness to us. But one thing we need to do before we conclude for the semester is we need to celebrate with our graduating seniors. So if you're a graduating senior, we guys come up front and line up across the front. We want to celebrate your accomplishment.